This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 34 The Golden Eagle Haunting The Dodge 330 was a car released in the 1960s. With high hopes of creating something more luxurious, and fast, and useful for all. The car was a bit more expensive than the average family could afford. Some of the cars that were eventually sold went mostly to different emergency services, and often used as police patrol cars because of how sturdy and fast they were. At the time, It was one of the largest sedan vehicles ever manufactured, as it weighed twice as much as a standard sedan, with the width and length being close to that of a limousine. This particular car would eventually become known as the Golden Eagle, and it was originally purchased by the local police department of Old Orchard Beach, Maine. It was often used to hold up to eight officers or emergency personnel at a time. However, the Golden Eagle would not stay with the police department for very long, due to the horrific reputation it had gained its first year. Officer Sandusky stumbled into the old orchard precinct, still tired from having barely slept and bearing a hangover from the previous night. He went straight to his desk coffee in one hand and his jacket in the other. He sat there nursing his headache and wishing he had made himself more presentable that morning. When he was called to the next room, Sandusky, he immediately assumed he was going to be reprimanded for his poor presentation. To his surprise, he was merely handed a piece of paper with a single address. There was no name but he was well aware of the address as all the officers had made their rounds there recently. He was instructed to follow up later that evening. He spent the better part of the day tending to normal day-to-day tasks. His hangover slowly faded, and he became much more energized and returned to his normal self. As he left the precinct for the day, he grabbed the piece of paper and set out for the address. He slowly made his way to the residence, not looking forward to what he was going to find. To his surprise, he had made good time. Traffic was light that evening, 
as the tourist town of Old Orchard Beach was off-season. He cautiously exited his patrol car and made his way up the steps to the residence. He hadn't seen his old friend and former policeman in quite some time. He knocked on the door and was met with no reply. However, this wasn't out of the ordinary. He then knocked again. Still, no response. He decided to search the perimeter of the house, trying to look through any available open windows. He then checked the driveway to see if a car had been parked there. However, he was met with an overgrown mess of shrubbery growing through the cracks in the pavement. No one had parked there in a very long time, he thought to himself. He then walked to the back of the house and tried the back door. Surprisingly, it was unlocked. So he entered and called out to the man that lived there. Hello? Again, there was no response. He slowly made his way from the back door into the main living area of the house, where he was met by a horrifying image. His former friend and colleague sat slumped over in a chair. Blood stained himself and the area around him, and his pistol still remained clutched in one hand. As Officer Sandusky walked closer to the lifeless body, he found several liquor bottles littering the area and a photograph lying on the ground. In it, he found a group of police officers standing in front of a patrol car. This angered him as he tore the photo into pieces and threw them across the room. He realized in that instant the last surviving man in the photo was now gone. All four men in the photo had been victims at the hand of the infamous Golden Eagle, often being murdered or committing suicide after driving or being transported in the vehicle. After the pattern formed, none of the other officers or staff wanted to drive the car and refused to do so. As a result, it was sold to a local doctor by the name of La Rochelle. After purchasing the vehicle, Dr. La Rochelle had it repainted to the golden color. The doctor owned the car for a total of seven years. During the seven years he owned it, it was struck by lightning twice, suffering great damage each time. La Rochelle then sold the car to the local fire department where it was used for a long period of time. In 1983, it was then sold to a private owner by the name of Wendy Allen, who would go on to be its last owner. When she purchased the vehicle, she was well aware of the reputation it had gained over the years. Wendy Allen had spent the majority of her life living in the old Orchard Beach area and knew the stories of the policeman who had driven it and had committed suicide as a result. One of the officers, Bruce Savoy, had murdered several members of his family before killing himself. Allen often considered herself to be a witch and had purchased and displayed several other haunted vehicles 
as she had developed a fascination for them. This one was far more intriguing than the others. Shortly after purchasing the vehicle, Alan herself started experiencing strange occurrences surrounding the car. Often while taking out the trash, she would find the remains of random animals around or on top of the vehicle. Nearby neighbors started witnessing the random animals being found dead in the area and raised concern. After dismissing the occurrences for so long, Ellen finally considered the fact that she was being targeted. She took one of the animals to a local veterinarian. Upon inspection of the animal, it was deemed that it had been killed by electrocution. Several other animals were inspected, and all had been victim to the same crime. Alan checked the area around the front of her house for any exposed or faulty wiring and found nothing of the sort. She decided to take her car to a local mechanic to have it checked out, but nothing was found that it could explain the strange occurrences. Despite the issues with the dead animals, Wendy Allen hadn't experienced any other problems while driving the car. After driving it for several months, there were still no additional issues. One afternoon, she needed to drive to a nearby town and invited Letta Bryant, the wife of a local pastor, to join her for the trip. While driving down the highway, the passenger door opened on its own, nearly pulling Letta out of the vehicle with it. As Letta's seatbelt became unclasped, she started being pulled out of the car. Alan tried to brake, but instead, the car sped up. Letta held on as long as she could before she was ripped from the car and thrown onto the highway. At that point, Alan was able to control the car again and quickly stopped the vehicle. She went back to check on Letta. To her surprise, she had not sustained any serious injuries. Alan tried to help Letta, but she told her to get away. She felt the car was possessed and that she could feel cold, invisible hands on her seatbelt. After the incident, Alan once again had the car inspected. This time they checked for any faulty seatbelts or brakes, but oddly, found nothing. Alan tried to apologize for the incident, but neither Letta nor her husband would hear her out. After that point, the local church became involved and demanded Alan remove the Golden Eagle from the town, ridding it from the demons that resided within the car. However, Alan refused to do so as she did not believe the car was possessed or that it could contain anything otherworldly. The years came and went and other reports of strange occurrences involving the vehicle were reported. At one point, Two different children on bicycles riding past Ellen's home while the car was parked outside were both struck by passing cars. Both of the children were either thrown near or thrown under the car and passed away while waiting for emergency services to get there. This caused continued conflict with the church. In 2001, Alan was told if she wasn't going to remove her vehicle, 
They were going to perform an exorcism on it. Alan continued to argue and dismiss any of the claims. A week later, the woman she had argued with about the exorcism was killed in a traffic accident. She immediately was taken aback by this. She asked around for further information regarding the crash. It was said that the woman had been driving on an open stretch of highway when her car suddenly swerved into the next lane where an oncoming semi tried to slow down while its trailer swung around behind it, decapitating the woman driving the car. At this point, the church became much more active and attempted to vandalize the car on numerous occasions. A further court battle ensued against the pastor of the church. The case came to an abrupt end in 2004 when the pastor was arrested for fraud offenses at the church. While awaiting charges, the pastor committed suicide, which was deemed to be a result of coming in contact with the possessed car. In 2010, several members of the church stole the Golden Eagle from Allen's home. They tore the car into multiple pieces, sending each to different areas. The main body of the car was sent to a scrapyard in Freeport to be disposed of. When attempting to crush the car, the area suddenly lost power, preventing the car's destruction. Ellen found herself rage-stricken and sought out to locate all the pieces of the car's remains before eventually moving the car to an undisclosed location where the church could no longer find it. For fear of the church's intervention, the car remains in that same location today. Despite all of the claims and the obvious facts that exist as a result of the car's reputation, one can still question whether it was the vehicle itself or the idea of it that had caused such accusations. With such a large number of deaths occurring after merely coming in contact with the vehicle, a strong argument can be made on its behalf. However, as with anything, after years of belief that such tragic events are directly related to the car, one can also assume that these ideas can be concocted and fester, leaving the believer to seek after the impending demise that follows. Regardless of what one believes, the vehicle will forever live in infamy and has since gone on to be the inspiration for Stephen King's Christine based around a similar story. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. Now the debrief. Yes. Alright, so... A little different than uh, than we're normal normally used to, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. This but, like borders on the like cursed object, right? Type thing. And I think, but I it's think also, it was time to do at least something like that. Yeah, but it's also kind of similar to what we did last week in certain ways with the uh, the the bungalow on the airbase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The like how just 
this one place in this point in this situation it's a car rather than a house but like this one location sort of just like terrible things happening over and, and over everyone again. that came in contact with it right yeah yeah so first of all the original owner was the police department right right so it was it was uh actually pulled off of um like the manufacturing line and so these cars when they were originally built they were like basically they, they thought that they were going to be like these more luxury luxury vehicles Family for vehicles. families right they were right. larger they could hold up to eight people you know and and that's that was the goal however when they were released they were very expensive, a lot pricier than any car, you know, at the time. So nobody could really afford right. one. So there were various few people that bought one. And I think there was only like so many of them that was actually, that were actually manufactured because of that. And yeah. so uh, a large the chunk of them turned out to be so low. Right, exactly. And so a large chunk yeah. of them was actually, were actually sold to emergency surf- services used by fire departments, first responders, and a lot of them were used for police departments because, yeah. I mean, they could they could go they could go to speeds like upwards of over two hundred miles an hour. Um, you know, they were very heavy, very reliable, well built. You know, so you, you're not gonna you don't have to worry about like getting in an accident or anything, and like you know you know the things are gonna be okay. And so that was you know immediately why why they started being used for emergency services. Imagine going 200 miles an hour in a car that big. That would be stupid. That sounds so scary. <laughs> I know. I, it, I mean, because you're basically in... Because uh, it, it's also stated that it's it's about the size of, like, a limousine. Yeah. And, you know, and it's heavy. Very, very, yeah. like, hefty. So, yeah, I mean, you go that fast, it's going to feel like you're in a boat. Yeah. Which... That's, no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds I mean, terrifying. I, I found it interesting though, because like they kind of, they kind of marketed these cars the way that you they market SUVs now, right? As these like big family vehicles, and like they were really right. just like they were really just like thirty years too early. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you know, at that time, like F- SUVs weren't like really a thing. Yeah, you know, so you had. And I mean, they started making them in the early '60s, right? That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this was in nineteen. It was nineteen sixty four when the police department first acquired them. Okay. So, do you know how long they made them? Um, I did, and I I came across that number at one point, and I forgot to write it down, which is super silly, and now I, I regret it. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, sorry. But like, I was I was only asking because. The 70s are known for, like, the gas shortage. And that's, right. like, the rise of the, like, foreign um, super, like, the compacts, the, like, um, super fuel-efficient vehicles came up in the 70s as a response to the gas shortage. And that's, like, if they were was, still making this car at that point, they yeah, would, this yeah, would have no killed doubt. it. I know shortly after they started making the Polara. So it wasn't okay. it wasn't very long. I think they ended I think they ended manufacturing in 64 or 65. Okay. So that makes more sense. Yeah. Like I said there was only a short number of them manufactured. I think it was in 
like the thousands or something. I, yeah, okay. maybe maybe not even that much. Um, yeah. So like they, there said, was I, just the one model year. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they did. Well, okay. they did it from started production of them in 1960 and stopped in 64 or 65. Gotcha. So all right. But yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was a limited edition. That's obviously at this point called a limited edition. It wasn't supposed right. to be, but yeah. yeah, it was the Dodge 330. And so, um, yeah, honestly, before this story, I'd never even heard of that model. Yeah, so I mean, clearly, uh, it wasn't very big. I mean, it was big, but it wasn't very popular. It wasn't very popular, right? I mean, you know, with them being mainly used for like emergency services and stuff like that, like you know, yeah. it's not. It's not a stretch to, you know, that one would really never even hear of it, right? Yeah. And even by the late 60s, the police forces had basically switched over completely to using the Crown Vicks. Right. Because they were like, but in the same style, those were like big and heavy and reliable and fast as hell. And like, but probably way more fuel efficient than this. I would, I would hope. Um, yeah, you know, but who's honestly, I mean, no car really then was very fuel efficient. Yeah, I know. So I know I can't say that it was much more, but I would think it would be at least a a significant amount, but (laughs) yeah, who knows for sure. Okay. So anyway, this model was this specific car was purchased for a police force, right? Right. And then crazy shit ensued. Yeah. They only, they only kept the car for a year. Okay. Um, and there were only three, three or four being the last per last officer that drove it. Um, that ever that ever actually drove it, it and you know, for the police force, and they all died. Yeah. And That's... what was funny enough, though, is in, in a lot of articles I've read was that the like they state like the car was like the car basically had a mind of its own. And it would like sneakily enough, um, you know, make sure that anyone that died as a result of the car, it happened outside of it. So there were no right. like, you know, you couldn't, it couldn't like really pin something on the vehicle. But I mean, a <laughs> pattern best definitely ensued. Like, you know, so all these people would basically go home to commit suicide or murder their families. And, you yeah. know, like, which is, which is pretty crazy. And yeah, it's very, yeah. you know, kind of similar to, uh, you know, to the last story where, you know, causing like this, like just rage or whatever, you know, I, it's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, but yeah, it would cause people to literally kill themselves. That's yeah. That's intense. Like it, it sounds like kind of hokey, you know, like the car had literally had a mind of its own enough to like cover up its own crimes. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know that that sounds, that sounds silly, but like, you know, what, what better way to put it? Because that, that's literally what happened, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you suspend disbelief and just let's go on the idea that this car is possessed or cursed something, mm-hmm. right? If I mean, if you go down the route of it, of the car itself being possessed, then you can imagine that maybe it was like, it was actually like trying to not be discovered. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was really weird though, is that like reading about 
like as it like as these cars were being manufactured there was no there was never any issues like they never had any issues at any of the plants or anything like that um you know it wasn't until basically this police force acquired them and when they acquired them they were all silver you know so okay. as as they had them they were they were silver and that's when you know the doctor the the doctor that ended up buying it he ended up painting like the traditional gold color Gotcha. Uh, that we've that we kind of have come to expect today, but it was also at one point said that it was repainted like a copper penny color, which okay. is something kind of similar, but a little bit more, I guess, bronzy. Sure. Um, but I mean, I really only found that in like one report, and there wasn't like really anything else about it, so I don't know if that part is true or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, like okay. the things, the things that it would do would, you know, just like opening, opening the doors, unbuckling seatbelts, yeah. speeding up instead of slowing down, like radio randomly coming on, like different things like that. I mean, you know, it was, it was like it basically had a mind of its own. I mean, this is like you mentioned in the story, the inspiration for Christine, which is one of right. the, which is seen now in like modern times it's seen as kind of one of Stephen King's like hokier ideas. Yeah. But, but like if you go back and read that book, it seriously holds up. It's yeah. so good. It's so fucking scary. I like, really wanted to watch the movie again just in mm-hmm. like kind of prep for prep for the story. I just didn't get a chance. But yeah, it was yeah. said um that Stephen King actually went to the area of where this car was in the eighties. Uh, just to get like you know, get information and everything, and yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, inspired inspired the whole story. I mean, this is his home turf, right? This is in Maine, yeah. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, old a lot Orchard of his Beach, early Maine. stuff. Yeah, a lot of his early stuff, especially, was really inspired by like f- the folklore of Maine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's uh, fair. It's yeah, know, kind of your you know. I mean, those were the scary stories he heard (laughs) growing up, you know? So they inspired his, like, early stuff like Tommyknockers and, like, all that stuff is based off of, like, urban legends in in the main area. So who bought it after after the police dumped it? Dr. Laura Schell. Okay. So, and this is the woman who, or a guy, is he? Yeah, it was a a guy. um, I can't remember his first name. Uh, but he had it for seven years. Okay. Um, and he at that point he had it repainted to you know to that gold color. Um, it was yeah. So he had it for he had it for seven years, and I mean basically during that time like he never really had any issues with it either. Right. Um, you know, and it was it was kind of yeah you know, it was kind of just a you know just a strange, um, a strange thing. Didn't he um, say the car got struck by lightning a couple times while yeah, he had it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was the two no, the two notable things is it got struck yeah. by lightning twice. That is weird. And suffered you know severe damage basically, and you know had to basically be repaired. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could take that as kind of like a strange occurrence, right? Yeah. Anytime the same thing gets struck by lightning more than once, well, seems kind of yeah, odd to that's me. That's true. I guess it's sad that you know an area doesn't get struck by lightning more than more than once, right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought that was, that was kind of neat. But then the witch gets it. So, well, after, after, um, after that, it's a, it's then purchased by the fire department. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, 
a guy, and I think his name was Kenneth Allen, which was kind of weird because I think the last name is similar to Wendy Allen's. Um, So, but the fire department had it for a total of, I'm trying to remember the exact number. So eight years that they used it. They used it basically as a first responder car. Um, They transported a lot of like burn victims and things like that. And they never had issues. Um, You know, and, and actually they, uh, one of the, the Kenneth, the guy, the guy that purchased it, he won an award uh, for saving, saving someone's life that I mean, because of how quick the car was, he was able to get there before even the ambulances did. Wow. Um, and so basically, I mean, what they thought is they didn't believe that the car was ever possessed. They actually saw that it, they, they believed that it was possessed by an angel. Okay. Um, instead of a demon because of how quick the car could move and how many lives it saved and, you know, all this other stuff. Right. Yeah. They saw it as a blessing. Right. Exactly. Now it was also said that basically if the car ever left the town, then a curse would be brought upon the town. Okay. Now that, I mean, you know, that's kind of silly, but you know, I think that's kind of just one of those like seen as, you know, more specific, like to this area and being like such a big thing to this area. Right. Yeah. And definitely something that probably got added afterward. uh, Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but there might be something to the way that they kind of, approached it maybe their like perception of the vehicle affected the kind of experience they had with it right you know what i mean and so yeah i think i think that's kind of kind of the case because yeah is is i mean again you know they had it for eight years never had never had any problems that anybody else ever claimed to have and i mean the car was literally a lifesaver yeah literally yeah so in the 80s it was purchased by wendy allen Right. Um, and Wendy Allen was basically like a self-proclaimed witch. Right. Um, and she know. collected like haunted and cursed vehicles. Yeah, right? exactly. She, she called herself the sea witch of orchard beach. That's an awesome. Um, <laughs> right. So, but she was known for purchasing haunted vehicles. She had purchased them, okay. put them on display. Um, she would even like, deck them out in like rhinestones and all this other stuff. And she did this, uh, she raised money for autism awareness at one point by driving the car out to like the coast or something. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like she had, she definitely had good intentions. Um, you know, at least it sounds like it, but she did dabble in witchcraft and the occult and, you know, and she definitely, definitely and obviously embraced the idea of it being cursed or possessed. right? Right. And, you know, more darkness ensued once right. she took it over, right? So maybe that's another, like, another tally mark in the idea of, you know, perception creating reality. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was a kind of cool note as well. Yeah. The thing, one of the thing, the thing that freaked me out the most that happened while she, I mean, obviously some kids died, which isn't cool right but like the thing that happened with letta bryant where she like the car she felt like the car was literally shoving her out of it yeah like undoes her seat belt fl- opens the door all this shit the um the woman driving can't even 
stop the damn car. Uh, yeah, like, she's, she's trying to hit the brakes, but the car's speeding up. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like as if her brakes go out for a short period of time until Letta's physically thrown, thrown from, the, from car. the car. Exactly. Yeah, that's And crazy. then she, like, claimed to, fe- to see and feel, like, these cold, dead fingers on her seatbelt, like, trying to pull it off of her. And so, yeah, which is... Ugh. You know, kind of weird, right? Yeah, that's terrifying. So and that's where kind of like that that possessed, you know, that possession seems to kind of come in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, she was also a very, she was married to a pastor, very obviously, very you know, yeah. religious and minded. Exactly. So I mean, it might have been just like a thing where she maybe thought she felt these things or whatever else, but like it was more so like. In this panic state where she, you know, I mean, I'm sure she probably felt that she was being pushed or pulled, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. because, I mean, if you're trying to hold on, I mean, it doesn't take much to not fall out of a moving vehicle unless, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you really, like, unless there's something <laughs> that prevent or something that, like, either provokes it or makes it happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that yeah, was, right. was kind of my not- take. It's not very hard to not fall out of a car. Yeah. I mean, I mean even unless, if you don't have your seatbelt on, unless, like, you're swinging all over the place, like, you know, whatever, but... Unless they left out the fact that she was going, like, 140 miles an hour. <laughs> well, it was said that she actually wasn't going very fast at all. Yeah, I mean, if the woman um, was fine after getting thrown from the yeah, damn car, I, I imagine I was gonna they say, weren't going like, fast. When I first saw that, I was like, no way. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, it was, she wasn't going very fast, and it was only till she tried to brake and the car sped up that she started even going a little bit faster. Yeah. And even that point, she wasn't going, you know, as fast as she could be. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean. And this, this incident, this incident is where the church kind of takes notice. Right. right. So this is where the church really starts to come in because before that, like, I mean, the only thing, the only concern people really ever had after all this time, I mean, it was in the sixties that it was with the police force, you know, yeah. held by multiple people through, through the last, like, you know, almost 20 years. Right. And then, you know, then purchased. And so like, yeah, there's stories, people talk, you know, but sure. it wasn't really until this incident with Letta that people started to actually question, like, what's going on here? There's something There's something going on with this car. Do um, we know for sure if this was her husband's church? So, at one point, the later, uh, the vandalisms were 100% his church. Okay. Um, gotcha. Now, I can't say that, like, the earlier church was for sure his church, because yeah. it just, there wasn't, like, really stated... But I would assume because after after this accident happened, you know, um, Wendy Wendy Allen she tried to go and like tell you know tell Letta she was sorry, tried to apologize, tried to you know yeah. tried tried to basically get you know get back and you know and her whatever good graces. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that, but I thought <laughs> it was almost <laughs> too close here. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, tried to tried to like win her back basically and you know, and she didn't want any of it and neither did her husband. Her husband yeah. being, you know, being a pastor, you know, yeah. after hearing his wife dealt basically with some demon or something, like I'm sure, like he's he's gonna not want her being a part of that or being yeah. anywhere associated with her, right? 
I mean, if that's your belief system, I can imagine that, you know, being significant. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. So, um, so in 2001, there was, uh, the lady, the lady that, you know, they, they basically said, cause she battled, she battled back and forth and nobody, you know, and she always argued like, you're silly. Like there's no way a car can do these things. A car isn't, isn't a person like it can't, you know, it can't kill people like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like, she even said like in a quote, which I don't have right now, but basically like if it's possessed, then show me. Yeah. I've never had any problems. My friends have never had any problems. Prove it. Outside of (laughs) Leonard Bryant. (laughs) Um, You know, so like, yeah, so it was a thing. It was, it was, you know, so in 2001, uh, the church again intervened and the one lady from the church, you know, tried, tried to get uh, Alan into, uh, into letting the car be exercised. So I heard a couple different, a couple different things. Um, so I don't, there's kind of a little bit conflicting information in that. Um, so basically what I had read was that she tried to talk Wendy Allen into having the pastor come and exercise it. But then I also read in another couple of articles that she did the exorcism herself. No, that this lady, um, which I didn't get, I didn't get her name. But even after, like, Wendy Allen had decided not to, like, no, done arguing that this lady still came and exercised the car. Okay. And that's why, you know, it was not even a week later, She, Wendy Allen's listening to the radio and hears a broadcast telling a story about this lady getting killed in the car accident. Wow. And so she, like, finds out from her friends, like, what happened to her, and then come to find out, she swerved into the other lane and was decapitated by like a jackknifing trailer that happened to swing across the highway. Wow. So yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. But I mean, like, you know, that's very coincidental, um, (laughs) you know, to be, you don't believe in coincidence to be not a thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I feel like exercising the car might be going a little far. I, right. I I would not, but I would not be adverse to burning some sage in the damn dashboard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, pushing it's, it's you can you can easily like you know kind of rid things of just evil and stuff like that just by cleanses and things like that. So, yeah, but yeah. of course, Wendy Allen, being who she is and collecting haunted vehicles and being obsessed with them, I, I doubt she would ever do that. Yeah, you know, it's that she wants it's them that, exactly. It's that ability to be able to say. I have a haunted car. Yeah. But that was that thing where she said, there's no way my car is possessed. Like, show me that it is. She's like, I'll agree. It's haunted. Yeah. You know, like, so she did say but that. No demons involved, but no, no demons. There's no possession going on. Right. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, I which think I'm I on her was, side here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it seems more haunted than possessed to me. I think so. I think so too. It's the because the event, especially the event with Letta Bryant, sounds like straight up poltergeist activity to me. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. It doesn't, and I'm not. I'm not among those like those like travel channel ghost people who think every active possess or every active haunting is a demonic possession. <laughs> you know, like like our our good buddy. Yeah. Yeah, our good friend Zach Baggins. <laughs> Zach no, Baggins. They, that's that's their whole thing, though. Is like 
And that's that's like a fairly modern take on the idea of a haunting. Yeah. That, like pretty much with the rise of those like cable channel ghost shows is like every that every haunting it has some like dark evil entity behind I it. I mean you know I think I mean? a lot of that's also coming now off like riding the coattails of like especially like the conjuring universe and stuff like that. You know, Ed yeah. and Lorraine Warren's cases. You know, they dealt with a lot of demonic yeah. presence and things like that. So I think I a mean, lot Ed of people Warren was like a self proclaimed demonologist, demonologist right? right? Yeah. So and I think a lot of people just immediately associate hauntings with evil now because of that, you know. Yeah, um, I, but if you talk to people who work at the like at the Warren Legacy Foundation, the people who are like carrying on their work, like, um, they're not into that idea that like every haunting is a demon. That, yeah, like they'll tell you that in you know according to them at least, I don't think anyone really knows for sure, but like demons are few and far between you know yeah oh I, I i agree yeah for sure i they're definitely not as common as most people assume right. like standard residual hauntings are a real you know in my opinion are a real thing and they're like a totally normal part of life i think yeah they're, i think they so happen too. everywhere mm -hmm. especially now it just seems to become a lot more common like commonplace for things like that right yeah i mean we put out feelers for people to you know to hear people's ghost stories and everyone has one everyone like everyone has seen or heard something or at least knows someone that has like yeah. it's it's not you know it's not a stretch a stretch for that at all like i've never come across anyone that's like yeah, I've I've never I've never seen anything or I never known anybody that has. Like, you yeah. know, that's that's impossible. I mean, even I I've never had like a personal experience, but I could literally sit down right now and write down 50 people I know's names who have had like convincing ghost encounters. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like people I love and people I trust and like those to me it's real. Even though yeah. I've never experienced it, to me it's like it's just a part of of the human experience is residual hauntings. Whatever causes them, whatever they actually are, whatever the actual nature of that, you know, phenomenon is, I think I think it's a thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, there were a couple other kind of strange things about this car. Um, so okay. in in a couple articles like they stated like just different different things. Like I said there's a lot of like you know, just random facts that not necessarily conflicting, but like some articles mention them, some don't. Right. There was one that even stated that in the trunk of the car, it was said to basically have like chainsaws and harpoons or something like these random objects, right? Okay. That like anytime anybody would try to dispose of them, they'd come back later and they'd be back in the trunk. Oh, weird. Um, which I don't know if I buy that. Like I said, it's not in every article. Like it wasn't like very, it wasn't a very like common thing. Like this is well known, but you know, right. that was, that was one thing that was stated. Another thing is in 2007, um, some of the members of MUFON actually went to the Allen residence and found high levels of radiation on the vehicle itself. Okay. 
which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, MUFON normally dealing with mainly UFOs and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and then in 2008, there were uh, some pretty horrific murders that were um, that were committed by the name, uh, a guy named um, okay. Matthew Cushing. Uh, so he, I guess, so they're said, and this is another one of those kind of just strange, you know, random facts, was that, like, it was believed that this car led to a seven-year curse. Okay. Seven years after coming in contact, then basically you would then die or something bad would happen. Okay. Not to everyone. Some people literally happen that same day. Like, as we've heard from several of the other you know several other things right um but so at one point this kid uh was dared to go and touch this car so he did um and then later on he goes on to uh murder his uh so it said i guess in this case it stated so there were a couple of things. I heard that he was younger when he touched it. And I also heard that he was an, like an adult when he touched it because he lived with his, his stepfather, his mother and his stepbrother. Yeah. So regardless, whether it was then or later, he went, basically went on to murder his entire family and burn his house down. Yeah. Um, and it was a well-known, like a well-known set of murders and like a very heavy trial that went on because of it. Yeah. I think, I think I actually remember that. Like, yeah, and that was 2008. So, yeah, he like wasn't it. His stepbrother was like a young teen, and he, yeah, and he was like, I think he had just maybe graduated college or was still in college. Yeah. Um. So I mean, he's young himself, right? Right. But yeah. So apparently, after coming in contact, goes on to you know do these yeah. crazy, crazy things. Um, and another thing that apparently Wendy Allen had said that like, she had also seen like people sitting in the backseat from time to time, like would see people in the car. And that's why she was always under the belief that the car is haunted, but it's not possessed. Right. Right. I don't know. The only thing that makes me like question whether or not maybe it was possessed or is possessed. Yeah. Is like when the church started threatening exorcism. It seems to have defended itself. You know what I mean? I mean, true. Yeah, like, true. This car was not into being exercised. Right. So it kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of makes you question, like, yeah. what is the real, like, what's real behind it and what's what's not, right? Like, I feel like there's definitely something a little bit more at play, but like you said, maybe it's literally a poltergeist. Yeah. Like, and so, and it's kind of, you know, kind of defensive. Yeah. It doesn't want to be driven out. Right. So, you know, I mean, that could very well just be the case, but yeah, I'm, and so the car, you can't find it now, right? She has it hidden. She has it hidden. So in 2010, uh, that church group literally stole the car and parted it out. Um, they sent different parts to different areas so it would be impossible for her to be able to get it back. Right. Which is kind of a messed up move, first of all. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Like, that's literally a crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they sent the body of the car to a car crusher in Freeport in a scrapyard. 
And as it's in the car crusher, they're starting it. All of a sudden, the power goes out in the whole town. That's awesome. And stops it from being destructed. Like, you know, so, but there was another article that I read that said that the town was without power for five days. Damn. And it wasn't until they finally decided to pull it out of this, this crusher, that the power power returned. Oh, shit. But then there was also articles where it said it was just temp- they were temporarily out of power until they pulled right. it out. So, yeah, I mean, who's to say, like, how long does it matter? It's the fact that when it was in, power went out. When they pulled it out, power returned. Yeah. Like, so that's another pretty crazy, you know, kind of situation. Yeah, that's another example that's of it, like, defending very itself. Very questionable. Right? right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the real... So- the real question to me here is like this because this feels very urban legend. You know it what does. I mean? It does for sure. And like, I mean, the car definitely exists. It I've definitely seen pictures exists. Of it's it. well known. I mean, there's like car magazines and stuff yeah. like that that have literally done articles on this specific car. Yeah, like, they'll do like know, their like, Halloween article exactly. talking about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very real. It definitely was, was something that happened. You know, it was owned by the, uh, old orchard beach, uh, police department. Like, you know, like, yeah. And all these things did happen. And Wendy Allen does have the, does have the car to this day. She's just now after getting all the parts back to back, she has parked it in an, in undisclosed area. Yeah. And as far as, as far as anyone knows, the car has never been put back together. Okay. She just I feel now like, has it sitting in an area. I feel like you could locate the car fairly easily if you just did like one of those obsessed policeman maps where you like put a push pin yeah. on every, every mysterious automotive that, death and then just yeah. like, you know, draw a little dot in the center. And that's but probably if where the car's, it's parked. If no one has any contact with the car, if it's all yeah, still like parted and stuff, it's not together. I mean, you know, the car's probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm going to say that's kind of a bummer for the car, right? Like early (laughs) retirement. Right. I mean, well, the car had a pretty long run. It did. That's true. From the sixties until, until now, I mean, well, at least the last, last thing about it, like published about it was, you know, shortly after 2010. So, and that's when it was parked and basically set for good. If nothing um, else, having like a short run sedan from the early '60s is pretty fucking cool. Would be awesome, and it, not yeah. to mention like it's a super cool looking car. Yeah, like it, 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 it would be neat to have just as like a collector's item. Like it know, looks so. like those. I mean, it's like quintessential mid '60s automotive, yeah. right? It's like huge and wide, and like yeah, it is a cool looking car. Man, yeah, it's way too point, long, but it's cool. You're battling with like early Novas and stuff like that, sure. and like that yeah. had kind of similar body styles, and yeah, just you know, a so, reasonable size, <laughs> right? Not, yeah. not as massive. I mean, this thing could hold eight adults, yeah, that's crazy, which to me is insane. Like in two rows, yeah, exactly. Eight adults in two rows. Because we hear eight now, and it's like, oh, that's nothing. But, like, that's in two rows. That's how wide this fucking car was. Yeah, exactly. You could sit comfortably four wide. 
Yeah. In the seat. Like, I can't, I can't, you know, it's hard to even imagine, like, three people in a back seat now yeah. fitting comfortably. Exactly. Like, I mean, One person you know, most sitting cases, on a hump with little, their knees together. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you got this big thing that... <laughs> Yeah, my kids Literally. don't even my kids don't even like sitting three wide in an SUV. Yeah, I, I mean, who does though? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it, yeah, I just I can't imagine like that many people. It would look like a clown car, except a very oversized clown car. But it that holds an right? appropriate because amount of people. All those people were comfortable. That's how big this fucking thing was. Right, exactly. You know, that's, so that's yeah. that's what's really crazy about it. But it is, it's it's a crazy like automotive anomaly in itself yeah. without the haunting. It's like I mean it was supposed to be a nice family car, you know. Yeah. So I would say you know, I would say it would have been ideal like for a large family had it been a reasonable price and yeah. right, yeah. exactly. I mean, this is the sixties, come on. So but you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. I obviously I think, you know, we can't dismiss it because these things did happen. Yeah. All the deaths around it. These stories did happen. I mean, it's, there's 14 actual confirmed death, that deaths that like somehow involved this car. Okay. And then there's up to 32 in total cases of like, say like the pastor, you know, he's fighting this girl after his church coming after and he commits suicide. Right. They deem it as a result of coming in contact with the car. That's kind of one of those extras that are like, you know, we'll kind of put two and two together and assume that's why. Same with like the Cushing dirt bag that killed his family and burned his house down, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of like the way, you know, the way that they've looked at it. But like, I mean, that's a significant amount. Like that's... yeah. We didn't even talk That's, about the two kids that got hit by a car right outside oh, yeah. her house and ended up exactly. like on the car or near the car after getting yeah. hurt, hit by a car. Yeah, there was car. one that literally ended underneath the car and the other one was like right next to the car. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, like that's kind of kind of weird. On the other hand, it would suck to get blamed for accidents happening in the street in front of your house i mean that too you know I mean? that would suck yeah i mean because literally she's she's inside minding her own business yeah. and her car's just sitting there and man you you did this no like <laughs> having a cup of tea on the front porch and they're like right. it's you <laughs> reading the newspaper or reading a you know nice romance novel or something yeah. like you know getting her afternoon on exactly that yeah that's that sucks for sure that that definitely does but yeah, but I mean, she like all this battling back and forth with the church though you're gonna like you're definitely gonna suffer some public you know some public oh i'm yeah defamation for sure but she stood her ground though like she yeah. always like always defended defended this car kept the same argument that it's impossible for a car to commit crimes like you know when it's a car and that's why she said, like, you show me that it's possessed, you know, but yeah, I, Prove I it. don't know. I don't know that I buy that it was a possessed car. That sounds yeah. way cooler. It does. You know, just because like the car basically has a mind of its own and whatever else. Right. Yeah. But like, and then also like, I question what brought this about? Like, where did this come from? Because it's not like there was, there were like 
some crazy things that happened before the police acquired it. They acquired it from the manufacturer. So, okay. So here's the thing. Maybe, maybe it didn't start out as a curse or being haunted. Maybe the craziness that happened with the police, maybe that literally was just like a set of PTSD ridden police officers who just happened to, you know, use this car and this yeah. crazy shit happened around it, and maybe that is the source of the and activity going it. forward. Yeah. The other the other thing that I that I think as well, and that's what I kind of mentioned in the end, is you know, and as we mentioned with other kind of stories, um, where if you go into a situation expecting specific results, you can often manipulate things to have those results yeah so like all these people that go in like oh if i touch this car i'm set i'm gonna die or like whatever else yeah you know you have that in your mind and things can happen self-fulfilling prophecy exactly yeah so i think like i think a lot of it could be literally just that yeah that 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 could definitely be a big part of it because this car was so well known for just, you know, all these kind of weird things that happened to it that like people would go up to it, like random, you know, random people would be dared to touch it. And like, right. it was like this like scary thing, like, you know, go, go to this or go up to like the steps of this haunted house and ring this, the doorbell. The witch's like, house. You know, exactly. Yeah. Go to the witch's you know? house and touch her haunted car. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we like, would have I done think, that shit when we were 13 or 14. I mean, yeah, obviously. Know, for like, sure. You know. <laughs> we may so, have gone home and murdered our families if we'd done that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we didn't. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad this shit is in Maine and not in Indiana. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, um, but yeah. I don't know. I think I kind of I kind of like the idea of the source of the haunting being the activity that happened with the police officers, because honestly, you're talking early, early sixties, right? When that happened. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 40 year old police officers. Most of the police force were people who would have at 20 been fighting in world war two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it it would not be odd for for these people to have undiagnosed mental illness, you know? Yeah. that that very well could be what caused like some of this negative like negative energy to build up like around this car for sure that the people that literally drove it you know went on to do yeah some messed up stuff yeah some horrendous stuff for sure yeah yeah without a doubt so yeah i mean I, i think that's a good yeah i think that's a good way to look at it for sure because I hadn't really even like thought about it like that. Um, I just I kept questioning like why in the first place? Why was this a thing? Yeah, thinking of the police officers as victims of the curse or haunting. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than the mm-hmm. source of it. That's true. Because yeah. it could have been the like so. you know angry or um, unfulfilled spirits of the of the police officers that were involved in those initial incidents that were haunting the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think honestly, like that, that could give a good reasoning at least behind why the you know why some of it started. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I would say like that's all it was, but sure. like I, you know that could definitely be a good chunk of it. Maybe there was something else that happened that you know nobody really knows about. Yeah. Um. Or maybe, you know, I I can't say, but maybe some of the police weren't like great people that drove it at that point. Sure, you never know. You know, like so, right? Exactly. You never you never know like what all actually happened during yeah. that time. I mean, someone could have been crushed on the on the assembly line, you know, while putting the car together that we don't know. But about. it was said that there were no accidents or anything that ever occurred. Yeah. So, I, I mean, but, you know, maybe there was and maybe they didn't want it out into the public. Yeah, I was going to say corporate transparency was not really a, a widely right. observed notion in the early 60s. Yeah. I mean, you pay somebody's family off to keep it quiet and boom. Yep. Yeah. So that that could that could definitely be something as well. Yeah, for sure. You never know. Um, see, that's the thing about like getting into these stories like obviously we've been doing this for a little while now and like i i always want to go deeper and find more but like I know. you hit these brick walls where it's like there's literally no more information about this to be found mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's exactly how this is like everything that was you know that like and i i i dug i dug as much as i could like yeah. you know but you read like these different reports and like these things that supposedly happened um you know, but again, the facts are the facts, and that's you know what yeah. you have to go off of, right? Yeah, and add to the like limited documentation. You add to that the the like piling on of urban legend over the years. You know what yeah, I mean? Like for sure, little details getting added every time someone retells the story, and that, yeah, it makes it hard to like to disseminate what is what's valid and true. What isn't. Or, yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. I mean that's that's with every you know every story like this you know it it has its it has its start but it's eventually manipulated at some point to sound better or be scarier or you know just a lot of the facts are kind of just hearsay right yeah but regardless I don't know I think it's a neat story um like I said we know that the car we know that the car was a car and we know that a lot of stuff happened with it um, do I buy that it was possessed? Not really. I think a lot of it is just kind of unfortunate events. Yeah. But, you know, I'll agree that it was probably haunted at least. Yeah. I was going to say on your former point, I was trying to think of who the quote was by. It was a Mark Twain quote of never okay. let, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's that's, a lot. That's true. There's a lot of that that goes on with like urban legends and, you know, adding details in that make the story flow a little better or make it just a little more exciting, you know, it just, right. Cause who's going to buy like a very dull, like, yeah, you know, not well put together story. Like, right. You know, it takes embellishing things and, and our show, different things. Like our, our show is a great example of that. Like we break down the like the facts that we know in the in the debrief, but oftentimes the stories take little turns and have little details that just make them better stories. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, agreed, agreed. And that, yeah, and I think while those are sometimes embellished for you know storytelling purposes, I think we always make it a point during the debrief to to like really talk the the things we know 
for sure. And the things that are iffy, like you mentioned several times during this one, like this detail was reported in some and not reported in others. And like, it's important to, to talk about that. Yeah. I I think, I think that that's definitely important to say up front because like, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to overtell a story that, you know, like just to make it, make it better. I mean, granted, like, you know, you want it to be a good story, but I like we tell stories the way that they are, the way that we find the facts, the way that you know they're presented and everything. Yeah, and like you know, I think it's important to let people know like this may or not be true. This is what some people have said, and what you know others haven't. Like, yeah. See, that's honestly that's what I like about our show is that first fifteen to twenty minutes. That story is the entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a story for the purpose of a great story, and then the debrief is the opportunity to like really dive into what the story's based on. And then we can talk about what, what's true and what isn't what we think might be true. Cause a lot of times it's speculation, of course. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all the yeah. reasons we've outlined over the last five minutes, but yeah, I think this story falls right into that. Right. Because at a certain point you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what it comes down to. But we're here to present the facts and, you know, again, just present things as best as we can and as entertaining as we can. Yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, well, before we wrap up, I think okay. we have some Patreon shout outs. Yes, that's what I was actually just about to get into. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we do have a couple a couple new patrons along with some returning ones from uh, last month that we have already shouted out, uh, but we will at least uh, make sure to shout out the new ones. Yeah, for sure. So, let's see here. I'm just getting the list pulled up. I apologize <laughs> for being a little slow here. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, so, this month, uh, for the start of the month, we have Ryan and Pam. Um, to give shout outs to. Yes. Ryan. Thank um, you. Pam. Yes. Thank you. I don't have last names, but you know, <laughs> Ryan and Pam are our new patrons. Again, thank you very much, guys. Um, yes, uh, the Patreon is there. If you ever want to, you know, pledge or, you know, just get uh, some of the bonus content and everything that we're working very hard right now to get out. For sure. Um, and we've been very thankful for our patrons for being so just like receptive and insanely and patient, like <laughs> extremely patient. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just pumped about it, which is awesome. So yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you guys are helping us do this and continue to do this and get out merch and stuff like that, that we can continue to you know share with our, our listeners as well, which is awesome. I mean, honestly, Patreon and the merch store, that's like helping us keep the lights on basically. Yeah. Like, it that's, really is helping tremendously. Yeah. So if you want to go and, you know, join the Patreon, that's patreon.com slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. That it is. Oh yeah. And the merch store you can find through links through the link in our bio on Instagram through there's a link in it in the show notes. Yeah, we try to keep everything pretty, uh, you know, pretty out in the open. So it's, you know, you don't have to really track it down. Yeah. You can go to any of our socials and just click on our link tree or we post a lot about yep. these things too. So yeah. Yeah. You can pretty, you can much, pretty find much it anywhere. Always find our merch store and our Patreon and our Instagram stories pretty much at all yes. times. 
So awesome. So I think that wraps up this week's episode, episode 34, The Golden Eagle Haunting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling it's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes we're just keeping up on our day-to-day and maybe some swag along the way it is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible again that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.